Turn to first uh, first chapter of John tonight. I'll give you a little bit of some Bible principles, uh, something that we need to get a hold of, especially in the time we live in today. I mean, really, there's a, there's a lot of things out in this world that can grab their attention and pull them away if they're not grounded in what God has said. We can, you know, <laughs> you can raise them up in the church, but I know a lot of kids that was raised in church, but they went out into the world. They went out in the world. But there's always the hope and prayer and faith of God that will bring them back. Amen. But too many have perished because of this sinful world that we live in. The Bible tells us we're to worship with truth. But every time I read that word truth, there's something that goes along with that word. If you take it away, it does not make the truth any less effective because truth never changes. It's still the same. But how we present it to others may not be effective as it should be. First, uh, first chapter of John and verse number 14, the Bible says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of Him and cried, saying, This was He of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for He was before me. And of His faithfulness of all received in grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Here we find the word Jesus Christ came. He brought grace and truth. Now I'm thankful tonight uh, that he brought grace and truth to us. I'm glad that I'm not living under the Old Testament law. Now don't get me wrong. The law was a taskmaster. But I understand that the law... Be uh, being as the knowledge that we are sinners, it gave us the knowledge that we are lost, but it can never have saved us. Thank God Jesus came to Calvary to shed the precious blood. And John here is being a witness of this one that brought grace and truth. Do you realize we're here in this world tonight to be a witness for the Lord? If God had no purpose for your life, the moment that he saved you, he would have taken you right out. But here we are tonight. It's a good that we can come to church on a Wednesday night and shout and say amen, sing and hear the word of God. But if we do it when we get out of here, what do we do? I, I mean, if it's good enough to shout about in here, it ought to be good enough to shout about out there. And tell someone about it. So I want you to look at a couple, three things tonight real quick uh, of truth. And what goes along with truth. For here we see, he said grace and truth. Grace and truth, it should be in our witness. If we're going to be witnesses of the one that brought grace and truth, it's going to take grace and truth 
on my part and your part to reach this dying world. If it's not grace at the expense of truth, it's not truth at the expense of grace. But it's grace and truth brought together in a balance. We're living in a, a world today that the majority of Christians are, are leaning towards grace. But don't have very much truth in their thoughts. You'll never see a need for salvation. You'll never see a need for walk closer to the Lord without truth. You have a lot of independent, fundamental, judgmental Baptists today. All about the truth. And they should be about the truth. Don't get me wrong. Truth be. But there's not a lot of grace in their feelings. Listen, there are an awful lot of pastors out there, preachers out there that will give you truth, but very little grace. They'll tell you that if you're not saved, you're going to hell. And that's right. That's the truth. But they don't tell you about God's grace. They don't tell you that God shed His blood for you. Most people don't want to hear about the gospel presented that way. They turn a deaf ear to it. When you get right in their face and don't give grace at all, it's all the truth. But we cannot compromise, we cannot water down the truth of the Word of God. The truth of the fact is, if you're all lost, you're going to hell. They need to know that. But at the same time, I'm glad that we can let people know there is grace. God shed His blood for His grace for us tonight. You don't have to go to hell. There's a Savior that went to Calvary and died for you. For your sins. If you just trust Him. The Lord gives us an example of this in John chapter 8. Look at John chapter 8. He gives us a great example of this. And I love this. Everybody knows this story. John chapter 8. There's a woman that's been taken in adultery. She's brought before Jesus. Now, and to get this, brought before Jesus in, in verse number 4 of chapter 8. And they set unto him the task, Master, this woman has been taken in adultery in the very act. If she was taken in the very act, where is the man that she was with? But he's one standing there to judge her too. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that he might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger and wrote on the ground as though he had heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the latest, Last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman was standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself, he saw none but this woman. He said unto her, Woman, where are those that accusers? 
Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No. Man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Would you agree with me that this, that some, this extravagant grace that God shows here, this, this is the grace that we need here. I mean, the one that was the very right to have to condemn her, the one that could very had the right to throw the stone out here, and he said, neither do I condemn thee. That is grace. But he didn't stop there. He said, go and sin no more. He, he gave her the truth. He said, I'm, I'm going to show you this, the kind of grace that you need to know. But also you need to know, stop doing what you're doing. Sin will take you down. That's where we're at today with people. People have experienced the grace of God, saved from the sin and now they think that they got it all right, uh, and they don't have to have anything. Uh, they don't have to go to church. They don't have to read the Bible because they saved. I've experienced the grace of God. I'm good to go. I can do what I want to do, say what I want to do, go where I want to do, because I have the grace of God. They're thinking they're the ones that can throw stones because there are no sin in their life. A lot of times it's all about the truth, but there's no grace at all. We're never going to reach a lost and dying world without having some grace to share. What a great day it was when I found out that I, I can be saved and, 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 and read a King James Bible and still smile on my face because I have the grace of God in my life. And I realize that I'm lost. And I realize the world today is just doing what lost people do. And they need to see some grace. But grace and truth has to be coming together. Somebody's got to get the gospel out. And it's going to take grace and it's going to take truth to get the gospel out. It's going to take both grace and truth combined together to reach this world. You can't give them all truth and you can't give them all grace. It takes a balance. People know that the sin will send you to hell, but people need to know that grace can save you from hell. And we've got to learn to bring them together in front of this lost and dying world today. Look at John chapter 4. We need grace and truth today. A lot of people don't want to give grace. A lot of people don't want to give grace today. Chapter 4, verse 23. Grace and truth. But the hour cometh and now is when he true worshipers. Now, if you say true worshipers, that means there's some false worshipers. <laughs> you get that? If he said true worshipers, then there must be some false worshipers out there. Shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
for the Father seeks such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and that's a capital S, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit, lowercase s, your spirit, my spirit, and in truth. Not only do we need grace and, and truth, but we need His spirit and truth in worship. This woman at will brings up the subject of worship. Worship is not a denominational thing. I know that we've gotten this Baptist idea that we're not supposed to say anything. We're not, we're not supposed to get excited. We're supposed to just sit in church like we're crumbs dead on Saturday morning at 4 o'clock. Amen. I believe we've gotten afraid to worship. I know we don't all worship the same way, but we all should worship. Amen. If it's going to be accepted of the Lord, it's going to take both spirit and truth. He said, God is a spirit, the Holy Spirit. Then he said that your spirit and my spirit, he said, they will bear together. There, there, there are those who tell you that every time you see the word spirit in the, this chapter here, it means the Holy Spirit. I, I beg to differ with you. you. You can go to a football game, the cheerleaders will cheer along and says, we got spirit, we got spirit, we got spirit. They're not talking about the spirit of God. You, you go buy a, an ABC store, what is this set up? Or we sell wine and spirits. And I know that's not the Spirit of God. It's a Spirit, but it's not the Spirit of a God. The whole idea that if we ever get a hold of some truth and let out our Spirit get a hold of the, hooked up with the Holy Ghost, it's going to produce some worship in your life. Bible says truth is getting deeper in the Word of God and it should not be a boring thing to get deeper into the Word of God. It, it should not be something that will want to put you to sleep. But the more truth that I get a hold of is the more that I want to rejoice in the Lord. And the more I want to praise the Lord and worship Him. Now the charismatics can run the aisles. Speak in an unknown tongue. Flop on the floor. And get up and shout because they don't know if they got the Spirit tomorrow or not. But we've got it. Hallelujah. We've got it. You have your charismatics doing all those things. Then you got these mega contemporary churches out there uh, they, they got the smoke coming off the stage they got the light shows they got the rock bands they're jamming with for the lamb and they're, they're rocking for the uh, almighty and they're swaying with the almighty hey man hey we've got it going they got it going on they are having fun hey man they got a lot of spirit but I don't know if they've got the Holy Spirit but they don't have any truth. People walk into those churches lost and living undone and worship and, and praise God and walk right out the door lost and undone. They have the spirit, but they don't have no truth. 
Can I say it's not always time to shout? Some services you won't shout about it because you're not shouting tonight. But it can be sobering and convicting uh, that it get a hold of it. But we should come ready to shout. Amen. We shouldn't wait to get to church and say, hey, preacher, prime me and I'll shout. No. You should walk through the doors ready to shout the praises of God. Amen. Then we have us. We have the King James Bible. We sing the old songs. We have faith. We got standards. We got the truth. But too often we're dead as four o'clock on Sunday morning. We're going to worship Him as He wants us to worship Him. It's going to take spirit and truth. And you don't have to compromise one for the other. Like I said, with grace and truth, it has to be a balance. There must be a balance. And the only way we're going to ever reach the lost and dying world if we bring these, these grace and this, this spirit and truth together and, and showing the world that this is where God meets. This is where God's at. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, your glorying is not good. He's saying you're glorying about these things. You're thinking you're good. He's talking about the church of Corinth. Know that you're not the little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. Purge out therefore the old leaven. But you may be a new lump. As ye are unleavened, for every Christ our Passover is sac sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Leaven in the Bible is often a type and picture of sin. As the people of God, we ought to strive to keep sin out of our lives. Now, I realize this. We're not perfect. We're not sinless. We still live in this flesh. And we're going to make mistakes. We're going to fail God. God saved me. He saved my soul. He didn't save the flesh. This flesh is still as wicked and sinful as it was the day it was born. But that does not mean I have to live and strive to be sinful. I don't have to give in to every temptation that comes my way. Let me give you a little grace tonight. We ought to at least strive to keep out sin in our lives. We ought to strive to do that. And you say, what's sin? What God tells you what his sin is. God tells you, you know what, a lot of times we got our conviction, oh man, let me get on this for a while. Here we go. I didn't want to do this, but I'm going to get on it for a little while. Let me just say this from the start. Your standards, your convictions does not make you spiritual. 
What? They don't. No, they don't. Your standards, your convictions are yours. They're not mine. But we try too hard to push my standards on you. This is what I think you ought to do. My conviction, I try to push it on you. You may not be convicted about some things. I, I know a man that's convicted about TV and took it all out of his house. And every time he was standing in the pulpit, he said, well, you'll learn more from Bible if you got rid of your TV. Yeah, it's all water. <laughs> but it doesn't make you more spiritual. Your convictions doesn't make you spiritual. But we try to we try to strive on our convictions and our standards, and then we try to shove it on everybody else. That's not mine. In fact, God might even look down and says, maybe you ought to start looking at TV more because I don't like the way you are now. Because when somebody gets convicted about something, they just get really crazy about it. And they think everybody ought to do that. Now, there are some things you need to be convicted about. Amen? Amen. Especially, especially in this church. <laughs> we have a zero tolerance for anything called alcohol. That don't mean I have to stop shopping Walmart because I think every store around here sells it. And, uh, but but I, I can walk by and not being tempted to pick up a six-pack, 12-pack, or how many 24-pack now, whatever got them in. That stuff don't get in me. But that, that, that's, that's conviction that we all should have. To live a pure life, that's a conviction we all should have. When you do fail, when you do make a mistake, when you do mess up, Get it under the blood and keep moving forward. He's been too good to me. I, I want to live for Him. I want to be clean. I want to be holy. And that is God's commandment for our lives to be holy and set apart from this world. That, that is the truth. But he said in sincerity and truth. That is what we're missing in the church in Corinth. And I believe that's what we're missing in the churches today. The sincerity. That just, just simply means be honest. I, here I go again. I'm going to make somebody mad. I don't know who. I guess I got, came to the idea of the church to making somebody mad. I don't know who it is. I, I, I don't like point fingers at people, but sometimes I can watch people worship, and you know right off the bat they're fake as all get out. And, and sometimes they do it so much they just really rub you the wrong way. You want to say something about it. Amen. And I've seen a lot of people in my years, I've seen a lot of people that can really give a good fake worship and as soon as they walk out the door, they don't even know the name of God. They're not continuing their worship outside. They just come in and they give a show of worship. They're being fake about the things. And what's happening is that we got these churches that are fake in worship and it leads to fake Christians. And you can tell that when you go to other churches. 
They, they have lowered their standards and allowed things to come in and set up. And now it's all fake. There's no sincerity in their worship today. God intended us to worship him in truth and spirit. God intended him for us to worship him in grace and spirit. God intended us to be sincere in truth in our worship of him today. If we're going to reach this lost and dying world, then your worship has to meet these standards. These are not my standards. These are God's standards. In order for you to reach somebody in your workplace, and in order to reach somebody in, uh, wherever you're at visiting, then you must meet these standards in your worship because it's a true worship. And that's what God is looking for, true worship. And that's what we need, true worship. Not every service is going to shout. You know what? Sometimes it, don't, it doesn't hurt to go, whoo, praise God. <laughs> Amen. It don't hurt. I mean, it might hurt you, but it ain't going to hurt me. If you shout, praise God, amen. It don't hurt me at all, but God wants you to worship him in grace and truth, spirit and truth, and sincerity in truth, amen.